Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Our partner, Spinal Cord Injuries, is what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, WAGS of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle, and our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us as we tackle deeper discussions around sex, travel, mental health, self-care, and finding balance as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wags of SEI podcast. Here we go. Hi guys, welcome back to the Wags of SEI podcast. We're back at it again. Today we have a very special guest joining us. Um, Her name is Rosaline Stegg. We are super, super duper thrilled and thankful to have you on today. Thank you for making the time for us. So Rosaline is a international life coach. She is a certified wellness counselor. She's a registered herbal therapist, a clinical traumatologist. She has wrote curriculums and facilitated for Douglas College and Okanagan College, which are um, schools in British Columbia, Canada, where we're from. She's also done large seminars for um, on the corporate stage in L.A., New York, Vancouver, Montreal, Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> Fort Worth, Texas, um, and she's discussed coaching and facilitation through those. She is also, <laughs> adding to her list, a master energy healer and has worked with clients for over 20 years. Um, she's really, really unique in her practice, and we are so excited to have her on the show because we feel that every wag of SCI in our community could benefit from learning what trauma is, mm-hmm. how to deal with trauma, and how to become your best self through becoming mindful and learning how to use your emotions to your benefit. Mm-hmm. Very powerful message here. And again, thank you so, so much for making time for the WAGs of SCI. Um, this is something that we're both very passionate about, and we are quite mindful in, in the work that we do within ourselves um, since the beginning of our partner's uh, spinal cord injury. So once again, thank you so much. We know you're so busy, and you're, <laughs> you're doing amazing work out there for the communities all around in trauma healing. Wow, that was such <laughs> such a great introduction. Thank you, ladies. Um, I'd like to actually maybe just start by sharing my story, if that's okay. Yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. Okay, so maybe what I'll do is I'll start um, when I was almost five years old. So when I was almost five, my parents realized that I was deaf. I learned to listen and to pay attention and to do things basically to just compensate for not hearing. Mm -hmm. So good, in fact, that no one really knew that I was deaf until I was about four years old. Wow. So, you know, I I think this is important for you and your partners because you guys are going to be starting to learn different ways to cope. So what I mean by this is I've had people come to my center where they say, wow, I've gone through trauma and now I can smell so much different. Like everything is so much keener. So, you know, pay attention to some of the things that your partners are telling you because they are actually changing their senses, right? Mm. So 
I'm an identical mirror twin. So I wanted to let you know that because how I learned to cope was that I watched my sister. I mimicked her by watching her lips and her tongue, her facial expressions, all her actions. And even when people came in the room, I could actually sense them coming into the room. And when my twin realized that I missed some cues when people were doing and saying things, she would actually just give me a little nudge. That's why wow. people didn't know that I was deaf. <laughs> did, did, was she aware that you were deaf? I don't, I mean, I don't think it was even a thought process for both of us. Yeah. We were just like that, right? She was fine, but that's who I was and that's who she, you know, that was my sister, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eventually, um, my words weren't quite sounding right, even though I watched and was lip reading and that kind of thing. My mom told a few doctors, they figured I was just being stubborn. Finally, she found one that sent me to a specialist. Um, after the different hearing tests, they realized I was 80% stone deaf, which back then it meant that if you yelled at me, I could possibly hear something. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Yeah, like the specialist said that I was the best lip reader he had ever met. <laughs> I was only five, right? <laughs> That's incredible. Five years old and the best That's lip cool. reader. Yeah, well, and I guess it was because I mimicked my my twin, you know, yeah. so, yeah. So I had lots of surgeries, you know, I'll never forget one of them where it took four nurses to strap me down on the gurney. I wouldn't stop fighting. I was so scared. I thought they were going to kill me, right? That's a little kid. And back 50 years ago, parents weren't allowed to go into the rooms with their children, right? Yeah. So they are realizing now that these are what they call medical traumas and they can have huge impacts on kids. And I think, I think people don't really understand how much the first few years of your life has to do with your story when you're older. Mm -hmm. It's so big. It is so big. You know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, Mm -hmm. but you know, I remember when, you know, when I woke up after the surgery, my world was totally changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I could not only, I couldn't only feel the air that was hitting my face anymore, but I could actually hear the air. So, yeah, well, that in itself is pretty shocking on a five-year-old too, right? Just all of a sudden your world's turned upside down. Exactly. Another trauma, right? Yeah. Another trauma, you know? And then I remember thinking to myself, oh my gosh, now what's happened? I was so scared even to hear things because the noise sometimes was unbearable, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like a heightened sensitivity that you have to your senses and awareness, right? Exactly, exactly. So there's my awareness already heightened from the different ways that I had to cope. And then I got hearing and it was like, so loud, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Mm -hmm. So I want you guys to think too, it's like what many of you guys and your partners are having to deal with. Your whole family unit is having to rearrange and look at things in a totally different way. My world had been turned upside down and it seemed like no one got it. Nobody understood it. 
And I think that's actually a really good point you make there when you when you say your whole family unit has to rethink the, everything they've known, right? Um, we speak about this qu quite often with spinal cord injury or any sort of injury like this is that you're, you really do need your community to kind of come around and, and be in your corner for exactly. when something like this happens. And even for yourself, I'm sure. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. It was huge, right? It was huge. And that trauma followed me, those traumas and more, those traumas followed me. So as a teenager, my life was really messy. It was really dark. I struggled with anorexia. I married young. I was 21 years old. I had three beautiful girls. But throughout those years, my husband that I'd married struggled with addiction. Mm -hmm. And after 17 years, I ended it, right? Wow, so, what a brave move on your part, especially. It was so powerful for me. I was so scared. Oh so when I look back, I can honestly say that the unresolved traumas from my childhood created huge, huge hate for myself, huge hate for my love, for loving myself. Mm. I never felt good enough because I was broken. Mm. You know, my ears didn't even work, remember? Mm -hmm. I was broken. That was my belief system. Mm. I wasn't perfect. Mm -hmm. That was the message I seemed to tell myself over and over. It wasn't until after I took training that I understood and I got to heal myself. <laughs> so, so. From, so from that experience, um, how did you get into trauma therapy and how did you start your online practice as well as your wellness centers? Right, right. So when I turned 39, I decided, okay, that's it. I'm going back to school. I told my girls, they were teenagers. I said, you can do anything if you set your mind to it. No kidding, especially <laughs> at 39. Good for you. Exactly. I was like, oh no, scared as ever. Well, it just I goes to back. show you that it's never, it's never too late. It's never too to late. To change your story, to change your life, right? Exactly, exactly. It was 20 years since I'd been to school and I'd barely passed Aww. school, right? You. That's yeah. amazing. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I signed up. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a counselor. You know, there I am. You can imagine. I hated myself, had no self-esteem, low self-confidence, struggling with my girls. They're teenagers. And I had been on welfare. It was huge. My whole life had been a mess. But this is actually where my journey started. My journey began. So I'll tell you a little bit about my college course. So I went went to lots, but I went to one college course and I had an experience that changed my life. I was sitting in class and my hearing shut down. It felt like someone had like turned off the valves and then pluck, put earplugs in. It went zzzz. I started to panic. Of course, then I got scared, right? And I was like, what is happening? I got confused. I was like, whoa. And then all of a sudden, I started experiencing something I hadn't felt since childhood, right? Kid you not, I felt the words the person was saying vibrating directly into my heart. It was profound for me. My heart felt open. It was big. It was pounding. Wow. Each word that entered came in in a different vibration. 
I remember, I remember, I just started crying. I felt the emotions behind the message in a really profound way. It was like the words that were being vibrated into me, I could understand them. Whoa. And yeah. That, and that stems from your five years of total death. Exactly. Death, pretty much. exactly. So it brings you back to that place, huh? Exactly. And that's where I understood what was energy and what vibration was. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a very, very powerful share. I think that <laughs> for some of us, that might be so difficult to wrap our brains around, right? <laughs> It is for everyone. Like, it's for me too, right? How did that even, what did that, what was that, right? Well, it's interesting because I see a parallel um, because we discuss a lot on our interactions with other women like us, uh, caregivers, but also interactions with our partners about how there's a common theme in our community that if you allow it, Uh um, after these injuries occur with with these men and these young men and older men, whoever has the spinal cord injury, um, they feel like their senses that are not physical have been heightened in certain ways in varying ways yes especially when your body you can't depend on your body that your mind almost becomes more heightened right you you know what it's like to have everything stripped from you from the physical that that you rely on the other part of you which is you know in your case the vibrations the energy the spirituality what you're feeling that you can't explain from the physical world in a different way Exactly. Very cool. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I worked in the, you know, in the field of addiction as a counselor, as a coach and a facilitator for like 15 years. I opened up my center because I realized how important it was to deal with trauma because I believed that addiction is what happens from trauma. A hundred percent. You know, and and I understand just to clarify what we're talking about when we talk addiction, that Mm -hmm. is not just a substance addiction. Mm -hmm. That's an addiction to certain emotions. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. It's to a certain emotions. It's like me with my anorexia back in the day, (laughs) a while back, they didn't consider anorexia as an addiction. They do now, but they didn't then. Mm -hmm. And part of that was a gift for me because I didn't fit in a box. Yeah, right. You know, because now they have addiction in a box, but I didn't fit in a box. So I had to struggle and find out why did I hate myself so much? What was going on for me? Right. That work in itself is incredible, Rosaline. That's like for somebody to be that aware and mindful of, hey, I'm going to go in and try to fix myself instead of rely on everybody else to fix me Uh is, is quite powerful. Uh So for me, I understand in a really deep way that the first seven years and they're what we call the years of identity create our life yes okay so there those years are the years where we're like sponges we're sucking up information the information is our reality our sights our sounds our smells our tastes all our experiences and how we interpret them the information is recorded in our minds and in our body. I like to say it's kind of like our personal computers, right? Yeah. So on our computer, there's a program running in the background. It's it's what, it's what our operating system, right? Mm-hmm. And our operating system is actually the first seven years of our life. This is when we're in basically theta or a hypnotic state. 
everything we learn, we don't question as little kids. We take it as real mm-hmm. and as at our and and as our truth, right? As kids. Right. right. Especially because that's that's where you start from zero. So everything you're learning yes. you've never learned before. So you just exactly. accept it as truth, right? Until yes. experiences exactly. in your life or conversations in your life correct you otherwise or learned exactly. lessons happen. Exactly. That's where we start to put beliefs on the things that we take in. So Lots of times our operating systems, they're running automatically like our computers in the background, right? Mm -hmm. But then let's say something happens. Like let's say, you know, you and one of your children, you're at the grocery store and, you know, the child gets lost for a minute. They get really, really scared, you know. Our mind says, oh, create new file, insert memory with emotion, Mm -hmm. okay? That then the mind says, keep this file open because it has an emotion in it. It must be important. It must be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think a part of that too is kind of how our body reacts to like that survival mechanism. Like exactly. what is dangerous? What is going to protect us? Um, exactly. Do I need to retrieve that file from a particularly harmful situation and sometimes it's hard for us to differentiate between what's harmful and what's just an emotion that no longer needs to be attached to us it doesn't serve us anymore right right exactly so we have this file folder now right so we throw it on the desktop each time we run a scan we bump into the file that says oh no no you can't move past that because the file's open we need to release and let go of the emotion that's attached in the memory Okay, so when the file's open, we keep going back to it. In other words, our mind keeps sending us information. So it keeps telling us, oh, we have an open file. It'll send us dreams. Mm-hmm. Or some of us might say, wow, why is this happening again? That's where the patterns start to happen. Right. You know, so if we hold on to a fear, the fear will show up in different places. And then there will become more and more fears that come about in our lives. The same goes for sadness or guilt or whatever. If we start to have an open file that we're not dealing with, that file will continue and manifest. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And if you don't deal with it, sometimes it can almost like cripple you, right? It can almost literally paralyze you. Exactly. So my passion is about helping people release their traumas so that they can be free to live their lives and then free to experience life without hurt or emotional pain. That's what I do. And sometimes, and I'm sure you ladies can agree, sometimes our deepest pain is our greatest gift. A hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Rosaline, I read a quote once. It was um, grief, uh-huh. nothing but healed pain. Yes. Yes. Right. And it's kind of like knowledge is power through that healed pain, doing that work uh-huh. and not being addicted to always being in that victim state and uh-huh. in that victim mode. Right. Uh-huh. I don't know if you can attest to this, but I know myself that you know, sometimes if you don't deal with it, with your unhealed pain, you almost become addicted to constantly having a trauma that you're always sad about, or instead of looking on the bright side of things, it's really hard to get out of that space. It's the patterns, right? It it's is. the patterns. That's why it keeps coming back over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. In different forms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. Well, this is why we we just love having you on because we see so much of this in our community um, of caregivers. Uh And a lot of the time, these women that are caregivers, like it doesn't matter if they met their partner before their injury and had to go through the trauma of the injury or the women who have met their partners post-injury and have to deal with the daily stresses and traumas associated with the side effects of having a spinal cord injury. Uh-huh. It doesn't seem to matter. It's it's if you have those traumas reoccurring, they can come from your childhood and they can make things worse. Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So I can give you, you know, some different concepts about what trauma is. Yeah, and that'd be and- great. Okay, so let's talk about, I mean, there's lots out there right now, you know, but I think one of the things that everybody seems to agree with is that it can be defined as basically an emotional response to an event or an experience that is deeply disturbing or distressing. Okay, so it refers to something upsetting. So like being involved in an accident, injury, illness, loss of a loved one, right? Or going through a divorce, all different kinds of things. Right. It's tricky. It's tricky, though, because trauma is very subjective. It can be viewed that way. So everyone processes a traumatic event differently because it's how we view it through our lenses mm-hmm. and it's shaped by our prior experiences right mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting that you say this because Alina and I talk about a lot um, how trauma and um, depression and anxiety is all relative uh-huh. and it's according to like your lens right yes. For sure. your yes. frame of reference of what you've known from the past that you're going to utilize in the new situation <laughs> to comprehend what's happening exactly we always talk about how in our community and, you know, we're, we're disability advocates uh-huh. and we always kind of get caught up in why doesn't that person understand? They think their problems are bad. You know, uh-huh. it's that victim stance of like, uh-huh. why don't they understand that my problems are terrible because uh-huh. it's their own frame of reference and they've never uh-huh. felt what you're going through. That's why it's so powerful to have a community like WEGS of SCI because it's not relative to us. It, well, it is, I guess, because we all have varying levels of trauma and, that we deal with in different childhoods. But uh-huh. there's that commonality among all of us that we all are going through similar situations. Um, uh-huh. And that's why we band together. Uh-huh. Now, I mean, it makes so much sense because, you know, one person, let's say, I mean, I'll use an example of a car accident, you know, let's say someone's driving a car and they get hit making a left-hand turn and that person, they may be hyper aware and even try avoiding left-hand turns when they can. Right. Someone else may not even bother them. Yeah. It's totally viewed subjectively, right? It's so true. Mm-hmm. And go, just going back to trauma in general, just so our audience can understand. So you explained what trauma is and, and like the different types. Is there anything where you can go into detail about the different types of trauma? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I love this guy out there. Um, his name is Pete Walker. He's amazing. And he has this model that he talks about, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So what I'm going to do is just going to give you a little kind of a little snippet. So let's talk about the fight response. So this guy realizes that when we fight, we feel threatened. So he realizes that when we're in fight response, it's because we feel threatened. Mm -hmm. And 
This is where the bullies are actually created. So I want you to think about a bully has an unconscious belief that in order to create safety in their world, they need to establish control and power. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So this brings them up, you know, to a feeling of being loved and lessens their feelings of being abandoned and unsafe. Huh. So isn't that interesting? When there's a bully that shows up, it's because they feel abandoned, they feel unsafe, and they need to actually fight to help themselves feel like they're in control and they have power of the situation. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like, you know, the saying that how you treat others is a reflection of how you feel about yourself. Uh Uh-huh. 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 So that's that one. You know, they're very impulsive and they're very, very quick to respond to things. The flight response, a little different, is when we feel like we have to be perfect. We have to achieve. We have to make ourselves feel safe and to feel lovable. Hmm. So these purple, they're they're these people that are kind of like the workaholics, the aholics of our life, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that don't seem to deal with what's going on around them. They put themselves into that world of work, right? Mm-hmm. And they likely are to run when they can't make sense of things, or they don't have the tools to deal with feeling unsafe. Huh. So that's yeah, that's the fight response and how it works. The freeze response, these people are known as the the couch potatoes. They feel that they're unsafe to the point of not wanting to go outside. They're very afraid of awakening the imminent danger. And thus, they avoid people and doing most anything at all. Hmm. They struggle with making decisions and they're afraid to take a stand or move forward in their lives. I've had people that actually cannot, when when they get into trauma, their feet don't work, they can't move forward. They're stuck in total freeze mode. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is so interesting. That is very, very interesting. I feel like I have someone in my life that I'm very close to that could definitely resemble something very, uh-huh. and it's really tough to, to help somebody in that state, uh-huh. right? It is. It is. Yeah. It's about them starting to recognize where did it start from? Where did it stem from? What was the first time they or where was the first time they felt that? And oh my God, so much work. Like how if you don't have the tools or you're not working with somebody who has the tools, where do you start? Literally. Exactly. And then let's talk about the last one, the fawn response. This is one that a lot of people haven't really heard of before. I've never heard of that one. Have you, Elena? Fawn? No. Yeah, it's the it's it's the it's the last one. So they have the fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. So the fawn one, these are people. They're people pleasers. They'll do whatever they can to keep the peace. They'll give up all their needs, their rights, their preferences, their boundaries, just to keep things safe and to keep things under control. I think we know quite a few people like this. I was going to say, I think this might be me. (laughs) They'll always defer to others and do what other people want. They avoid conflict at all costs. These type of people have a fear of rejection. They will lack deep friendships 
Uh huh. Growing up in this environment, you're right, likely to respond to different things. They call these childhood deprived complex PTSD. Oh my. So this is where this is where they're starting to say the childhood emotional neglect comes in where there was a time when we weren't taken care of when we as little kids needed to. And so we learned that it was it was easier to please our you know, our parent than it was to stand up and say something. Mm-hmm. Saying no really wasn't allowed. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, those four, those are the main ones, but in actual fact, we can be, you know, a little one, a little bit, a little bit, another one, right? Of course. Awesome. Yeah. yeah that, I was just going to ask about that, actually. Mm-hmm. The intersection yeah. of, of all of them pretty well, right? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, we can go, you know, they call them passive aggressives, right? You know, aggressive, we can have somebody who's aggressive, and then when they recognize or they're in fight mode, when they recognize they're not getting what they want, then they can slip into people-pleasing mode. Right. When they don't get their own way. Yeah. That's interesting. And I think it's really, really helpful that you're going over these because I know that a lot of people, including us, we don't know these things. And it really helps to listen to these general definitions of what the types of trauma are because I feel like everybody could identify with at least one of them. Uh Um, And it helps you to kind of get to that place where you're like, oh, this is what's this this is what is happening. This is what this is from. Yes, exactly. I mean, lo- you know, not that long ago, we only thought that veterans came home with trauma or PTSD, 100%. right? 100%. And that's We've where so much funding off. went. Totally. Exactly. Exactly. We've come so far since then. And you know, one of the things that that you ladies I want, you know, to be aware of is it's important to understand PTSD transference or vicarious trauma or, you know, different things they're called survivor's guilt in Second World War, where if we have a partner that has a lot of trauma, we can actually, as their helper, we can take on some of that. Right, of course. Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) Survivor's guilt is huge. Exactly, exactly right. So just, you know, just to give a heads up that we can take it on and sometimes we take it on because we have our own things that we're trying to work through too, right? Mm-hmm. Right, for sure. Yeah, that's that is so relatable. You have no idea. <laughs> you know what? I mean, I'll even personally share something from you. Um, being adopted at a young age, I remember my my mom learning that I had PTSD, and both of us looked at each other thinking, "You mean shell shock? What veterans have from the war? I don't think so." <laughs> yeah. Yes, but of course, you know now you're understanding. Yeah. yeah. First seven years of our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of um, people listening to this right now going through the back of their minds and trying to remember their childhood and the source of a lot of their anxiety and depression and and life behaviors and you know and you know that's so interesting that we talk about childhood because a lot of the time and i mean our parents might even be listening to this is we have to recognize that our parents did the very best they could at that time too and also operating from their frame of reference that came from their parents right? right so it's that cycle Absolutely. Yeah, because it could surface in different ways for kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been told children are very resilient. Yeah, they are for the most part. That's true. They live in a reality where they accept things as part of their, of part of their growth, right? Yeah. However, they can take on 
you know, other people's pains. They can take on and, and have different traumas that they are living through, but they don't question them. Right, right. Because that's not who they are. The first seven years of our lives, we don't question as children. It's not until we're about seven that we start to actually analyze hmm. and start to question things in our lives. Right. Mm-hmm. It's almost like having like a little, like you were saying, a data bank of information. And then once it becomes full enough and your brain develops enough, that's when you start to kind of explore outside of that, right? Exactly. Then we start to question. Exactly. Before that, we don't question. We just accept that as reality, right? Interesting. Right. So in accordance with what we're speaking about now, it's you know, one thing that that I've heard you say and we truly believe in is that new trauma brings up that old trauma, right? So exactly. the, the <laughs> onset of these injuries are bringing up a lot of emotional stuff for both our our partners and for ourselves. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. that survival gift piece, or, mm. sur- sorry, survival guilt <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. piece is so deeply rooted and connected with also your partner experiencing the drama, but for yourself as well. So we, yeah. we are firm, firm believers in, you know, talk it out, you know, whatever you need to do, just get it out of your system. So it no longer has control over you and cripples you. Exactly. And but that being said, I mean, there are so many women and men in our community that don't recognize where this is coming from. Uh-huh. Um, where their reactions are coming from. And they don't, I, I, we believe that understanding and education is everything. Uh-huh. And understanding, you know, what's going on is mindfulness, right? Knowing where these exactly. emotions are coming from and getting to a place where you can recognize these things is huge. It's, it's huge. You're right. Yeah. So when you go back to when you were a child, you know, sometimes you can ask yourself, you know, was there a time when you were depressed? What was going on? Was there times? And, and if you have children, pay attention attention to them you know mm-hmm. are there times when they're not eating right or you know or maybe they're sleeping too much or not enough mm-hmm. or maybe you recognize they're you know irritable or anger out of nowhere right mm-hmm. there's so many different ways that we actually can show that there's stuff going on and you ladies are bang on talking about it is huge and one of the things about talking about it is actually talking about wow you know noticing your sensations like what's going on is there butterflies in your stomach how are you feeling like how come you know asking and recognize wow when did you feel that some kids i feel sick mom today i don't want to go to school mm. what's that about you know and sometimes they can get really angry or they can shut right down right they can close right down these are all signs that they may be going through trauma well right? even in, you know I, I see so many parallels to what you're talking about childhood uh-huh. and in uh-huh. a lot of our relationships because uh-huh. when you're under a lot of stress like you know I'm sure every couple can attest, in our situation anyways, can attest to there's never really a period where everything is roses and sunshine. Uh-huh. It's, it's a tough life. Uh-huh. That doesn't mean you can't enjoy it, but there's so many complications and, and things you have to think about and stress-related issues that uh-huh. pop up in our relationships, especially when you're a caregiver and you're around your partner all the time. These I see a lot of parallels in what you're talking about because the way that we deal with arguments or de- our partner's depression or our depression has a lot to do with that. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Absolutely. You know, let's go deeper. You know, when you're stuck in trauma or survival mode, let's say, right, different things can show up. Like you can still be in shock or in denial or even in disbelief. You can still carry that. You can be confused. You can, you know, again, you can have tons of mood swings going on. You can start to all of a sudden have anxiety or all of a sudden out of nowhere, you're having panic attacks. Right. You know, or all of a sudden you're feeling like this guilt or this shame, or all of a sudden you start blaming yourself for things and you're like, whoa, you know, sadness, hopelessness, you know, depression, or you know what? You can feel, you know, disconnected, numb, even suicidal. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a guy who was an old oil fill guy, late thirties, came to my center, six foot five, you know, he was like tough as nails, <laughs> married, two kids, right? His shoulders were really stiff. He moved very calculated, you know. The guy, he was like always on guard. Mm. Um, when we talked about why he came, he told me, so here's something. He told me that he'd been sexually abused by his neighbor when he was young. Wow. After that day, he began having night terrors. And he actually started bedwetting. Mm, he, was, wow. he was young, right? These are responses that the body displayed from his trauma, right? right Those right. were responses, right? And so his life, of course, turned upside down. He was in juvie, did jail, blah, blah, blah. Every time when he got out, he tried to share with his counselors. He actually tried to take his life that day. Wow. Every time he tried to speak about it, that's how traumatizing it was. Mm -hmm. So pay attention. Some of your partners may not even want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. No way, man. I'm not going there. I don't want to go there. Right? Mm -hmm. For sure. And I think there's such a, a huge stigma attached to that, especially for, you know, males for coming forward and uh -huh. speaking about their traumas uh -huh. and, uh -huh. and emotional issues. You know, something that we're both you know, we're so happy to have you on. Hopefully you can speak to this too, that there's like, there's this like invisible shield of shame where we yes. feel that our men need to be our strong providers, the yes. huge, um, strong masculine like entity. But uh -huh. we want to kind of, we want to break these boundaries. We want to be able to say, hey, we're all human, right? And uh -huh. and so if you had any advice on that topic, what would you say? I think if we're talking about how could we, you know, well, let's talk a little bit about relationships and trauma. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're looking for? Example of, you know, mm -hmm. how can the both of you work together? Yes. Yeah. So I think that, you know, it's important to recognize that, you know, there's unhealed traumas in the relationship. And it doesn't necessarily have to be one specific trauma because we already talked about how childhood can, you know, rear up some of those things we haven't right. dealt with, right? Absolutely. And, and especially when there's a trauma, it can supercharge emotions, right? And when you're in a relationship and there's more stuff that's going on, you're, when a trauma happens, different things start to escalate. So if you have issues prior to the relationship and the trauma that's happened, those issues will basically escalate and then they'll make them seem impossible to communicate. 
effectively, right? Wow. And and that's so powerful because we have so many women in our community uh-huh. that they just don't know how to communicate. Exactly. And just lost. Exactly. So there's a lot of things that, you know, that happen. There's heightened reactions Mm -hmm. to just common relationship issues. Really, they get even bigger. You know, there's all of a sudden the, you know, the arguments or the disagreements become even fueled even more. Or you can just withdraw or there's different behaviors that start to happen. And all of a sudden you want to shut down. You don't want to talk about anything. And then, you know. There's difficulty in accepting love because all of these things are going on. Right. Yeah, that's huge. Exactly. And even if, you know, repeatedly you can say, no, I love you or, you know, that type thing and reassure them. There's the difficulty because the trauma has is so front and forward. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, you're you're bang on. These are just like in our community. They're very prevalent in our community. Yeah. Um, and I think these women, when you were explaining the fawn, um, uh, situation, oh. the fawn level of trauma, uh-huh. I really related to that because uh-huh. we as caregivers, especially in the early stages of, a, of an injury, uh-huh. we think that we are responsible to fix the situation. Yeah. And this uh-huh. is something that Elena and I have learned a lot in the past few years. Um, uh-huh. We've seen each other grow in it is realizing that we ourselves cannot fix or yes. heal our the trauma that our partners are going through exactly which is so difficult too because you're spending so much time side by side with them right and you you feel that you've fought this this far for them yeah <laughs> you want to just kind of fix everything and and that's a lot of work on our individual parts as well yeah. to be able to yeah. let that go and not have to have that control over every situation and that mm. responsibility to fix them, right? Totally. And that, that we were going to ask you about this. Um, it kind of leads into a question that we had. Um, uh-huh. And we wanted to know, like, for people that don't know about trauma and, and they haven't recognized their own traumas or haven't dealt with it yet, uh-huh. what are some signs? I know you got into, you know, the depression and anxiety and sometimes suicidal. What are some other signs like f- for the caregiver, for for mm-hmm. the woman dealing with stress? What are some signs that they have trauma that they need to address? Mm-hmm. There's lots of different ones. First, I wanted to say like trauma is, you're so bang on. It's not simply one person's problem. Mm-hmm. It's not one person's problem to solve. Anything that affects one partner impacts the other and the relationship right Mm -hmm. so signs you know there's so many different signs but maybe because for me i'm a herbalist and i'm a counselor right there's lots of sirens that go off that Mm -hmm. i see so you know i'll give you an example as a herbalist you know i might pay attention you know, to the fact that the senses might change. Someone might come and they might say, wow, you know, things don't taste good anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't like that. Or instead of eating really good, can we just have junk food today? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, for me, um, you'll find all of a sudden someone's getting bloated or they're gaining weight and they don't know why, right? And it's a struggle for some people to get out of bed. These are all signs, right? Mm -hmm. You might find it hard to fall back to sleep or, you know, you find that you're becoming angry at even the smallest things that never used to bother you a few months ago, right? It's so true. And we have a lot of women in our community that talk about how 
Um, they have physical symptoms and they have physical health problems now exactly. since their partner's injury. Exactly. Like, you know, sometimes we find ourselves, you know, taking things out on our partners or even our kids, right? Mm-hmm. We'll do that. That's a sign that there's something that's not quite balanced, right? Things that we used to do, like if you like to go for a walk or, you know, go out with your girlfriends, all of a sudden it doesn't seem important anymore. Interesting. Yeah. Or you start craving things like sugar or alcohol, you know? You <laughs> might have the, the croissants. <laughs> It's certainly gone up for me. I'll be very completely honest with you. Well, Elena and I, we always talk together because we've had kind of similar experiences. Like we um, had the whole, the trauma happen with our partners, um, you know, midway through Uh our relationships. And, you know, we were with them for a few years before, and then we had the traumas happen. We had a very similar situation, similar instances of trauma occurring with our partners. Uh And we both had kind of similar experiences. experiences after like we spent the first couple of years in like crazy fight or flight mode where we're just running on all angles we were stressed to the max we were putting our own emotions to the side because Uh we felt like we were drowning well Uh protective mechanisms too right yeah absolutely and we were just so we were so involved in just that stress and our partners were under stress and it was just like we barely even remember the first year because it was so crazy right Uh but then after that elaine and i both started to notice a few years after the injury that Uh things started to calm down in certain ways we started becoming better at identifying what we needed to work on we started becoming more into treating ourselves and mindfulness and kind of getting to the root of like what we're both very interested Mm -hmm. in which is dealing with our emotions Mm -hmm. yes and we started to notice that you know we were we started getting swollen we put on a few pounds and we kind of attributed that to your body's been just on overdrive for so long that when it starts to relax then you start putting on some weight (laughs) or like so Mm -hmm. you know I mean, not comfort eating. (laughs) Yeah, for sure, comfort eating. But not to mention, also, your partner has now now gone from a standing position to a sitting position, Uh and to be on their level, you two Uh kind of get on that sitting position more often, right? Uh To be eye level, you're sitting down together at dinner table, or you're sitting down watching movies, or Uh you're doing these things because you don't. Again, that responsibility piece. You don't want to make it feel like they're missing out. And that is a Mm. huge connection. It's not even about the food. It's like the way that you feel that you don't want to show them, I'm going to go for a hike or I'm going to do these things. And here you are wheelchair bound. You're Mm -hmm. always sitting in that coach airplane seat for the rest of your life. And Mm -hmm. here I am exploring, right? Mm -hmm. That, that, that piece of fawning, what you were speaking to us about is, Mm -hmm. you know, pleasing as, as being protective of them and yourself. Uh huh. Uh huh. And I think one of the things too, they've got new research out right now, and it's actually showing that the body's response to trauma. I mean, that's the big thing. How is our bodies responding? Just like you ladies were saying, there's one stat out there that says 80% of the blood stops going to the digestive tract when we're in fight and flight mode, so survival mode. Oh my god. <laughs> Second, right? Holy if 80% smoke. of the blood doesn't go to the digestive tract that's telling us because we're in fight and flight and the blood's going to the arms and the legs guess what that's telling us it's telling us that our digestive system is going to be slow and sluggish right wow and so if our digestive system is slow and sluggish that actually 
hinders the rest of how we assimilate food, how the food moves. It's the brain-gut connection. It's the vagus nerve, you know, all of that. They're actually showing that the parasympathetic and the sympathetic going from the gut to the brain, if that's not functioning, depression can kick in. So this is really important for our partners as well is because after spinal cord injury, you know, your nervous system is impacted as it is. Huge. Yes. Mm -hmm. They always say like the quad belly. I don't know if you've heard Uh this term, but it's the quadriplegic Uh belly because your core is not engaged as much anymore. Uh But I think there's a huge piece to that with with the slowing down of the blood to the digestive system. Exactly. That's huge. And Uh there's not a lot of research on that in our community. It's more just like, well, your muscles don't work and you have Uh to watch your diet. Right. Uh Uh-huh. Eat, eat lettuce every day, but it's kind of like, well, you, that's not realistic either. <laughs> we, we definitely yeah. believe that there is more to that than what the research. Yeah. So think about it. they're going in well, trauma too, right? They're in trauma. Mm-hmm. If they're not digesting properly, they're not flowing properly, right? If they are in fight and flight because they're not dealing with their trauma, guess what? That's going to affect the digestive system, right? Think about think about how stressful. Um, the life of a, a quad and a para can be. Not only has their body gone through such a trauma, uh-huh. but they have unresolved emotions and they also uh-huh. have a tough go sometimes, like with infections uh-huh. and, and uh-huh. you know, just daily tasks. Daily living is yeah. stressful on the yeah. body, right? So uh-huh. that explains uh-huh. a lot. <laughs> so yeah. if, if there was one thing that you could kind of, if you could give us a tip, if there was one thing you could say about what, how would you improve your the blood flow to your digestive system. If you could give us one tip as kind of a takeaway from this incredible podcast here that we have with you, what Uh would you recommend, Rosaline? Well, I think one of the first things that I would say is that our bodies start to break down if we're on red alert all the time. Right. So the body stays in survival mode for long periods of time, and that kicks in constant stress and increases our cortisol levels. Yes. So I think my biggest thing is learn how to deal with your stress. Mm-hmm. Release your trauma, learn how to deal with your stress. That is huge. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of women in our community too, and I know people personally in my life that they don't want to deal with it. They would rather just leave it as is because they don't think that it'll impact them in the ways that you know you clearly know how it will impact them. But how will unresolved traumas impact you like just give us some examples of what you've seen or long term if you don't deal with your trauma sure for sure i mean i can give you an example of i had a lady come to my center you know she on the outside she had her mask she had just finished her master's graduated top of the class she was you know part owner successful business she had run other businesses you know if you looked at her physical appearance she looked fine Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh when we started digging in she you know she did a grocery list and on the grocery list she said no gluten no dairy okay first sign for me what's going on so that tells me right away she's got some traumas because that means she's not digesting her food properly that's what I look at right interesting and then she requested her room be like scent free because she had a real chemical sensitivity. Well, what does that tell us? It means that she's hyper aware. Wow. Presto, another trauma that she's 
having to deal with, right? And then she asked me when she got here, you know, can you carry my bags in? I'm like, oh, okay. So then I found out she had multiple surgeries because she was having extensive bone damage. Mm -hmm. She actually had, you know, a rare autoimmune disease. Wow. But guess what? We started digging into her past, right? Yeah. My gosh, how did it happen? You know, she had a huge past in her childhood. She ended up having insomnia when she was a bit older. She started having pain in her hands and her knees. She then started, you know, digesting food, not not digesting food properly. Mm. And then physical stuff that she couldn't even deal with anymore. Mm. And next thing you know, she had to give up her business. And she actually got to a point where she couldn't even care for her children. Oh my goodness. Right? She underwent surgery so that she could start to walk again. And her body was totally shut down. That is so... It's so amazing what happens with trauma, you know? And that was her not dealing with her traumas when she was a kid. And I can tell you, she was probably one of the you know, deepest trauma involved people that I'd worked with, right? But the beauty of dealing with trauma, so here's the amazing thing. So with her, we dealt with generational trauma as well. Mm -hmm. We went deep into a lot of the different things that had happened when she was a child. Um, You know, all of that and ended up working through a lot of her stuff, releasing a lot of the generational traumas, letting go of all the different things that had happened with the technique that I do. And, Mm -hmm. you know, pre and post traumas, different ways to release. Mm -hmm. I realized, you know, after she left, it was powerful for her. She actually phoned me like four months later and she said, oh my God, Rosaline, like you're not going to believe this totally by accident she said i'm no longer gluten or dairy intolerant that's amazing i can't believe it she said i can now eat ice cream and pasta interesting it's so cool it's so cool to hear this um because you know we've been conditioned in society yes it's getting better now but it's still there um deeply ingrained uh, of how you should work on your body and mm-hmm. your physical appearance mm-hmm. and eliminating things and restricting things in your life, um, then that will solve your problems. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're a very physical-based society still. And yes, we're getting yeah. out of that. People are getting more inquisitive into their, there's more science available for dealing with your traumas and how traumas can be passed down between generations. There's Science is getting there, but it's yes. not wide, widely known, especially in our age group where, mm-hmm. you know, we're just on the edge of the millennials and and, and we just we place so much importance on, okay, what's happening in my life? I'm, I'm depressed. Okay. What do I need to do? I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to go to the gym every day. I'm going to work on my physical self and ignore my emotional self because as long as I have my physical self looking great, I'll be fine. And then we've seen so many times that after you, you work on your body and your, your physical self, and sometimes things don't translate how you want them to. Exactly. Physically, because of your traumas. Mm-hmm. It's a partnership of doing both, right? Doing the work on both both ends, the physical and the mental and the emotional, spiritual. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. It's about self-care in the whole gamut, in the whole array, right? For I mean, sure. it is about taking care of ourselves, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well, right? So, right. you know... 
I came up with, I kind of wrote down, I mean, if you go on the internet, you'll find all kinds of different things that you can do to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet has tons and tons and tons of things. But what I've done is I've kind of written like 10, I think there's 11 <laughs> um, different things that I would say could help people to, you know, to honor themselves a little bit more and to take care of their emotional well-being. Would you would you want to share those with us or I, Yeah, I could share them. So one of them, the like the first one I think and I think you ladies are doing an amazing job. So I think number 1 would be to talk to someone about how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that you guys have this group that connects like-minded ladies. It's so important because you guys are really really helping each other to connect and to not feel alone. Cuz you know, when you talk about you know, the things that people go through, there's evidence out there now, even in addiction, that the number one reason that people start to disconnect is because they feel separate. They feel alone. They feel abandoned. No one cares. No one understands. I mean, that's how we felt before we began the group. We even joke joke about it still. Exactly. Like, don't make it a reality, right? Reach out. Seek support, right? That's why you guys do what you do, right? Thank you so much for for stating that. It's kind of nice to have that confirmation that we're still doing the right thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right? Like, it, it is. It's so important, you know? And like I said, even in the field that I worked in, in, in addiction, you know, it's about connection. It's about feeling wanted, feeling taken care of, feeling needed. You know, a lot of us have been abandoned. You shared with that with me. You know, it's about how do you get back to the, so that you can feel like you're one, you're part of something, right? Absolutely. That sense of community, right? That pulls yeah. you in. Exactly, exactly. The second thing, and maybe this is because I'm an herbalist, I don't know, but the second thing, drink water. Like, truly, (laughs) 8% of Canadians are dehydrated. When we're dehydrated, that alone can lead to health problems, can lead to digestive disorders, can lead to headaches. That alone can create stress in the body. Wow. So drink water. It will actually help to let go of some of your stress, right? (laughs) Yeah. So the third thing, get outside, get some fresh air, go for a walk, do something. You know, it's in the winter, go to the mall. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Get outside as much as you can. It's the number one way and the best way to reduce stress, you know? Mm Take a yo- take some yoga if you want. Take a class. Go to the gym or sign up and do it at home. Totally. Like, take care of you in whatever way you can. I think that's a huge piece too. And I say this to my partner quite often because he is wheelchair bound. Is change your environment, mm-hmm. especially on those rainy, gross, yucky days when you don't want to be wheeling outside through the snow and the yuck. Exactly. I always say change the scenery, change your environment, even for I don't know twenty minutes. Yes. Of- Especially with the whole craze of like binge watching, right? We get into this like habit of like wanting to sit there and binge, binge watch like Netflix or Crave or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Totally fine. <laughs> but yes. being yeah. able to change your environment so you're, you know, you're stimulated through different senses, you're seeing different things, hearing yeah. different things. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's my fourth one. So, you know what? That's my fourth one. Play happy songs. Yes. How many of us forget that we actually have music, you know? Yes, yes. 
Play music, you know, and, and listen to the oldies. Well, I like listening to the oldies. Listen to something that you really like. Crank it up, you know? You know what's interesting right now is, like, I know that some people listening are probably rolling their eyes and saying, oh, gosh, this is so silly. But there is actual research, scientific research done. Um, and the, they, you, everyone's probably heard of this, but I wanted to bring it up. What happens to molecules of water and snowflakes mm-hmm. when they're played different types of music? Yes. There's yes. whole books written on it of literally proof that when a snowflake listens to acid metal or death yes. metal, they, uh-huh. it turns inside out. Yeah. Structurally. Oh my God. Yeah. I, yeah, it's wow. crazy. I had a friend whose dog was really hyper and really grumpy. And then one day she put on some like heart music meditation stuff. The dog ca- calmed totally down. She's like, oh my gosh, now she does that all the time. For you know, that's actually really funny that you mentioned this, Rosaline, because this is what I do with my two dogs <laughs> all the time. I, I put on, there's a playlist called Dog Spa Music. <laughs> so I put it on at nighttime and Can instead of. Yes, I have a little Pomeranian who's 11 and a Frenchie who's two. So you can imagine the combo there. <laughs> but this is what I now do as a morning routine when my partner's getting ready is I listen to a lot of classical music. Yes, yes. Happy classical. And it's funny because we actually share a Spotify account. So he'll go on and he'll say, oh my God, yeah. what is this? Meditation, classical, music. spa, sh- shamanic music with yeah. a man playing a flute. Yeah. yeah. And it works. It really... It's so powerful. Yeah. Yes. It's so powerful. <laughs> So the fifth thing that I wrote down was, do your gratefuls. I understand that it seems really simple, you know, to say three gratefuls. It's one of the things I used to do with my girls. We'd sit at the table and, you know, instead of saying a prayer, lots of people say prayer. Mm -hmm. I always say, what are you grateful for today? You know, and we would all share a gratitude or a grateful around our dinner table before we would eat. And there's nothing more exciting than actually hearing something positive. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It's life, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and also restructuring your thoughts, taking mm-hmm. control of your thoughts. And th- even if you're having a real crap day, just mm-hmm. being like, okay, you know what? Today I'm really grateful for my relationships. Mm-hmm. We're really grateful for the fact that I have clean water. We're yeah. grateful for the fact that I can afford a gym membership or anything, right? Exactly. One of the things is, is, I mean, it's so important because what it does is it keeps us in that space of being okay, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of being kind to ourselves. And that's so big. Always do your gratefuls. I do them in the morning and just before bed. It's a powerful way to go to sleep. Go to sleep in a really good space. And it probably helps you to sleep better, right? It's, um, from what I know, I don't know. I just close my eyes and off I go, right? <laughs> and you know, you were mentioning how it's simple, but like, it's here's work. the thing, like, uh-huh. it, it's simple, but you know, for our partners, Mm-hmm. If they have limited physical function or no physical mm-hmm. function, mm-hmm. it forces you to think about the super, super simple things yes. that aren't done physically that you can be grateful for. And it helps you to position your mind in a different stance. It's huge. When people come to my center, they have to do three gratefuls in the morning and three in the evening. And it really, you can see it changes their thought processes. They're like, oh, well, you know, the first few days they just write down, well, I'm grateful to be here. Next thing you know, I'm like, I'm grateful because I heard the birds singing this morning. Yes. You know? Especially, yeah, especially for you because you didn't have that 
auditory, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Before, wow. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the sixth one, journal. I know this sounds weird for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've even had where sometimes I had this one lady and she actually recorded her voice. She says, I won't journal. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. No, no, I really, I won't. I'm like, okay. So finally I said, okay, speak into the recorder on your phone. And you know what? I got, after she left, Captain's Log 105. (laughs) Like she did recordings of herself and she said it was the most powerful thing because she got to hear her progression. That is very, very cool. That's a good idea. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to journal because it's important to recognize triggers that keep showing up in your life because there's signs that there could be possible traumas from childhood. Right. That's really interesting. It's really hard. I mean, I'll attest to this. It's really, mm-hmm. really hard to sit down and journal. Um, it, like I, I find that it's like work, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially because sometimes I'm, I find that I'm like, what, what am I writing down? And do I really want to go back to these thoughts or, you know what I mean? Like it's hard. It's so, I get it. I get it. But look at it in a different way. So look at it like get curious. Mm-hmm. Get curious. Write down. Wow, this is happening. Oh, I wonder why. Right. right. Get curious. Oh, I got triggered today. Wow. I wonder why. And start to think. Wow. When have I felt this feeling before? And go back. Don't settle with just, oh, this is happening again, blah, blah, blah. Get curious. Go back. It's powerful to discover that, you know what, the trigger, the pattern are from before. And they're just showing up because they want to be healed. Right. Okay. That's a very good point. They want to be healed. Yeah. Get curious and just say, wow, there's a pattern. Where did this, where did I feel this before? And instead of saying, wow, it's, it's hard and it's heavy, go, wow. Hmm. Okay. I'm curious. Where did this happen? Has it happened before? Oh, there's my pattern. I really I, like that you're saying this because I, I know myself a few years ago when I was just getting into this okay. solving my, my own problems thing. Uh-huh. I used to beat myself up so much about uh-huh. having negative thoughts go into my yeah. head. I used to get yeah. woken up every night, like clockwork, um, yeah. death anxiety. Yeah. worried about my partner dying, yes. um, worried about myself dying. And I was just like, I would give myself a hard time because I was like, oh my gosh, am I dying? Is yeah. my partner dying? Where are these thoughts coming from? And then when I started to learn, you know, that's not your higher self talking. Those are your learned behaviors and emotions that want to be released. Talking Exactly. That's, that's just you saying, wow, I have a trauma. And guess what my trauma is? It's from my partner, di- from my partner struggling. Right. right. And I was worried my partner was going to die. Bingo. There it is. There's the trauma. And there's the messages. Remember, I said they come in dreams. They come in. Yes. One of us. So there's the message that your message was your dream was telling you that's your trauma. That's your file that's open. And there's an emotion of fear attached inside. So if you restructure it and reframe it, it just makes so much sense. You're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to beat myself up about this. I'm going to take this and say, I'm given the opportunity to deal with this. Yes. Get curious. It is so big. Get curious. Don't beat yourself up. Get curious. Why are these emotions or why is this pattern? I've been there. It's, it's happened again. Why? 
get curious. Wow. I also really like the technology thing that you brought because I'm a I'm a tech girl and I love I don't necessarily always sit down with a pen and a paper. Mm-hmm. So I love the idea of uh, voice notes. I think that's so mm-hmm. amazing because you're always on the go and you want to be able to write something down that you'll forget later, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the seventh. So we got. I think we got eleven. Seven. Go hug a tree. Seriously, ladies, go hug a tree. Tell the tree your problems. Go to the park and hug a tree. Do something for you. One thing, even if it's five minutes, give yourself permission to feel good. I love that. Amazing. Give yourself permission. And then everyone who's listening, tell Brooke and Alina what you did. Totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, please do. We like to hear this because it's also yeah. encouragement mm-hmm. and a gentle reminder for us to kind of get in that zone as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the eighth thing, you know, truly engage in meaningful, meaningful practices. You know, do a prayer or take a bath or sit quietly, pet your cat. That's what I do. You know, do something, even if it's going to a spa. I know that that's something about physical, but you know what? If you do a massage, massages can release traumas too, right? So, you know, if you go to a massage, make sure that you get a nice, a nice massage, right? Yes. Um, learn what fills your cup really take the time to discover what makes you feel good what makes you feel good right Mm -hmm. ninth one rest get rest the body loves rest the body heals during rest so make sure that you get enough rest for you we talk about this a lot on our Instagram page Uh Um, Mm -hmm. the beauty of (laughs) taking that sleep or that rest or that nap when you need to and canceling plans if you have to and disappointing people if you Mm -hmm. have to Uh to look after yourself and get that rest that you need because it's just so rejuvenating it's huge it's really huge even this weekend i made a you might be kind of proud of me for this one rosaline (laughs) (laughs) this weekend uh my partner and i dan were uh at his parents house very close by like an hour and a half away Mm-hmm. Anyways, this weekend I got to sleep in the spare room by myself. Oh. Two nights in a row. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, I came downstairs with a big smile on my face, a lot bigger than before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Taking care of you, right? Yes. You have to. It's important. It's so, so important. And I think it's important to note as well, especially in our community, every single relationship and caregiving dynamic is so different. Mm -hmm. So what, like you said before, get to know what makes you feel good. Exactly. And do it in whatever time that you have. And you'll notice that more time will start popping up. Yes, exactly. Like some people feel really good if they go to the gym and work out, right? But some people like to go to the spa and just say, no, I like to do both. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So number 10, get into a routine. Yes. Right? Get into a routine to start to take care of yourself as well. With kids, if you have kids, it's important to keep the routine, especially during traumas or upsets, things that are going on. It's so important to make sure that you have a routine so that when things happen, you can still fall back into the routine and know that things are going to be okay. Amazing. That is huge. So you know that your brain is making that connection with your body that this is what you can expect to happen next. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. And the 11th one, I guess there was 11. The 11th <laughs> one, check out some free resources, you know. Mm. You know, check out things that are about take an evening class. Maybe some of you like to, maybe you're going to take some things and learn some different things, you know. Take, mm. some, take some classes on trauma or join a group like this one, you know. <laughs> Just get together in whatever way you can. <laughs> that actually, huge. yeah, that's huge. That's amazing. And that actually leads us into, um, we wanted to talk about your practice specifically. Um, and, you know, lots of our, our, our followers are in the United States. Some of them are across the pond um, in Europe. Some of them are in South America. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I would just love to explain what would happen in a typical session with you. Just you can be as basic as you want or go into as much detail as you need to, just to kind of give an idea of what you do online. Okay, sure. I have a technique that came to me about four years ago. I took a course in the States, and it actually changed the way I work with people. So the course was taught by a guy who believed in energy's ability to heal, and I took the course and I started using his technique at my center. And then one time I had this like epiphany and I created a tool and it's called heartbeat trauma release. And it's unlike other techniques. It actually takes one session and it works permanently without the client or without anyone telling me what their traumas are. It actually releases the trauma. And we're talking about anything up to and including PTSD. And I can do it online. And the reason it works is because it connects the person with the heart. So we connect through Skype online. And then what I do is I get, I teach them a specific technique and it can be hand, it can be different ways. So I teach them a technique that I know will work for them. And then they go into their memory. They don't tell me about their trauma. I don't want them to be into that state of having that traumatic experience coming up for them in a really big way because that's not what it's about. It's about getting them into that memory and it's about releasing the open file. So you've heard me talk about the open file where the memory is attached to an emotion. Oh, open file. That's what we do. We go into that open file and we release through body, mind, and soul. We release the emotion from the memory. Wow. And we release the emotion from the memory because the person's in the memory, but the brain works so fast that they don't really get to go into the whole part of what the trauma is doing. It works so fast that it actually releases the emotion from the heartbeat because the heartbeat is a positive frequency that's actually exploding while we're in the body, mind, and soul part of of who we are. It's hard to explain. It's amazing to experience. Later, when you go back into your memory, there's no emotion left. All you find is, oh, this happened. It's kind of a story. It's there. It's no longer important. We no longer pay attention to that part. It becomes just our encyclopedia of life. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, um, you know, uh, my partner and I have done a session um, with you. Uh-huh. And it, it, like, we got off the Skype call with you. And my <laughs> husband was like, 
this actually works. Like he's like, <laughs> this works so well. Like he's like, yeah. I don't have that same emotional charge when I yes. think about the traumatic situation that I just paid attention to. He's like, I yes. can't have that, that sweaty, annoyed yes. feeling where these emotions come up like anger. And I can say the same thing. Uh-huh. You helped me with some anger that I had about what happened at the beginning of my partner's injury with some other people. Um, you helped me release that. And now I can talk about it. Like I was telling my dad about it on Saturday and I didn't have that same charge that I normally have. I could talk about it without feeling it. Exactly. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's changing the way we understand how to work through trauma. There's an old paradigm that believes we have to talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and make it normal. Mm. Guess what, folks? Trauma isn't normal. That's why it's trauma. It's because it's subjective. It's how we view it. And so what this does is it releases the emotions, the feelings from it Mm -hmm. so that we can Mm -hmm. close the file and say, yes, that's part of our story. It happened, but it's no longer going to rule our lives. That's Mm -hmm. so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And like, we are so happy that we met you because we just know how much of a resource you're going to be in our community, um, especially since a lot of us live very far away from one another. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily have someone that they can talk to in their own community that can help them with this, or they've had really bad experiences with therapists in the past, right. and just haven't found their person, or they haven't identified their traumas yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Oh, it's amazing. It's so I, I wanted to, um, do you want to highlight your website of where um, our followers can sure. get to know you a little bit more? I would love to. Yeah. So you can go and you can find, you can find me on journeyintowellness.com or you can find me on Rosaline Stag on Facebook. Journeyintowellness.com, you'll see the different resources. It talks about online work that we've been talking about. Thank you, ladies, for allowing me to share that. And um, it also talks about, you know, there's five-day and there's three-day retreats for people who are wanting to come and not just release a trauma online, but actually go and work on their generational stuff as well. So I do help people release generational traumas as well. So that is part of what I do at my center. Oh, incredible. We will definitely have to check this out one day ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Well, I mean, this is like, we feel pretty overwhelmed right now at the end that you've shared with us. Like, we just feel like this is so important. Yeah, our our little data banks of in our heads are exploding right now so much we want to talk about i think on our personal time too for sure i guess we'll save that for another time absolutely (laughs) thank you so so much rosaline for being here and taking the time out of your very busy and full schedule and practice to be here with us we're incredibly thankful for that and we also want to say thank you on behalf of our followers and the women um, and the men that that listen to our podcast that are going to find a lot of of comfort Mm -hmm. in your message and I think that's the most important thing is is community and comfort and just realizing that you have the power to change your situation yeah heal yourself with the proper tools Mm -hmm. exactly exactly thank you ladies and it was an honor to be here with you so yes have a great day thank you and we also um, wanted to reiterate the website journeyintowellness.com her name is Rosaline Stegg And we also wanted to mention that not only does she do online trauma release sessions, 
Okay. She does her workshops, she does corporate workshops and seminars, and yes. her retreats at her wellness center, which is in Salmon Arm, British Columbia. It's beautiful up there. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much, Rosaline. We appreciate Thank your time. You. This episode is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at one 667 8669 or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the wags of SCI sent you.